All right, everybody. Welcome back to your long lost anglers happy hour podcast. Um, been about a month since we've been at you. So uh, thanks for uh, sticking around, downloading and listening to this episode. Um, it's been an absolutely insane run for me. Uh, Nick's been down in Mexico. Rob's been busy guiding. So, um, you know, we got together and uh, we're doing an episode in the evening before Nick heads to Missouri, I head back to South Carolina and uh, Rob does a couple guide trips. So uh, thanks again for sticking around, guys. And uh, as always, we're going to go around the table, catch up real quick before we get into a plethora of topics that we've got uh, going on in uh, fishing right now. But um, let's start this one out with Rob. Uh, what's going on with you, man? What's new? Uh, just guiding a ton. It's that time of year. Um, we've had quite an interesting year. I know we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast with the amount of rain and snow Arizona's getting. Um, Roosevelt at this point is three, just shy of four feet over the high water mark. (laughs) This lake is 25 miles long. And I mean, it's unbelievable how much water is in it. So have you been out there recently? What's it look like in person? I'm going, I was out there when it was about three feet from the high water mark. So it's come up, what? Seven. Seven feet. Great over. (laughs) Like it's insane. And we haven't even gotten the snow melt yet. Right. Right. And I've got a guide trip there tomorrow. So that'll be interesting. I'd work (laughs) offshore structure. I'd be looking for islands out in the main channel. That's where they're going to be holding. Smart, dude. Smart. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, but the the gentleman that hired me to do the guide trip, he's had this trip planned for six months, he said, and they're camping up there. It's like, I feel bad for them. They're just getting in the, the what it's going to be interesting just because, I mean, we've never seen the lake like this before. So I'm just hoping there's a l- little bit of decent water. Not I've heard too- what you want to do is you want to bump a square bill off the handicapped parking signs in any parking lot you can get. They really, you know, relate to that structure too. Dude, there's like street lights at one of the boat ramps. <laughs> it's underwater. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So it is. I mean, for the listeners that are listening, this this lake was. I mean, we we've been fishing this lake for our whole life. We talk about it on the podcast all the time, and this lake fluctuates a lot, and it just depends on rain and snow melt and stuff. But there's many years where it'll be 30, 40, 50 percent for for years on end, and. uh, yeah, for it to go, I think it got down to what, probably about 55% before it's it shot up this winter. And, and how many feet is that? Maybe 50 feet vertically? It's got to be, yeah, every bit of that, every bit. So, so oh, yeah. And sorry, I'll, I'll let you keep going here in a second. But while we're talking about that, Northern California, I was talking to Cody Meyer about uh, like Shasta and Oroville. Those lakes, I didn't realize how far down they actually were. <clears throat> Those lakes were down. I'm just using a rough number, but I'm I'm in the ballpark here, 250, 280 feet, <laughs> and they've come up to almost full, like within like 30 feet of full. So those lakes have come up over 200 feet in Northern California this winter. Yeah, it's going to be, fishing's going to be interesting in the West Coast after this onslaught of weather we've had. Atmospheric rivers. Is yeah, what the uh, young gonna, lady on three TV news calls it. Yeah, we're gonna I run like up that. the at- atmospheric river tomorrow and see if we can catch them. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> handicap parking signs, bro. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Yeah, good luck, man. <laughs> Don't forget that square bill. Yeah, hey. uh, well, that's cool. Right on. Uh, have you so it's like the busiest time of year? Have you guys caught any uh, any big fish on the trips recently? 
no real big ones. A lot of good quality fish. Um, you know, a lot of the, the three to five pound type fish, which has been fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of no real big ones at all yet. I think it's, it's, I think our spring is just starting confused. (laughs) Yeah. It's confused, but it's, I mean, it's going to be phenomenal well into May and June, I think. Um, I did have one trip at, uh, I don't, this had to be two or three weeks ago. It was a while ago, but, um, two gentlemen, I took them for two days in a row. They were 70, what were they? 78 and 79 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call one of them the the dentist and one of them the attorney because I don't really want to use their names, but they were very cool. I'm going to guide them again next year. Nothing against them at all. But um, the first day the dentist was sitting or standing in the front next to me and he lasted about 10 minutes and he said, I got to sit down. So I had a, a cooler. <laughs> I didn't get 80 co- though, dude. I get it. Exactly. Like this guy was whipping a bait caster. Like he was doing it. Like he's a good fisherman. And so he sits down on my Yeti cooler on the front deck and absolutely crushes him that day. Well, nice. the attorney in the back of the boats completely convinced that the reason the dentist caught him better was be- it had nothing to do with his ability. It had to do with his position in the boat. Mm-hmm. So the next day, the attorney's going to sit on the cooler, but he brings a pad that uh, it was like a throw cushion, like a vinyl throw cushion from probably the seventies. I think it even had like a bass. How did he get it. this thing if they were on a trip, dude? Like, I think he brought it because they had intentions of potentially renting a boat the day before okay, they went out with me. So, just I mean, of course you bring a th- throw cushion to sit on when you rent a boat, uh, right? Of course, dude. Just overly prepared, right? So. He brings this this throw cushion, sets her on top of the cooler. He's smart because the other guy was complaining how his butt hurt all day the day before sitting on the cooler. <laughs> well, about an hour into the trip and 53-degree water and a really, oh. really bad oh. cast where his body was thrown oh. into it, oh. Oh. slips off the cooler. And oh. before I know it, his feet are above the gunnel and his oh. head is in the water. <laughs> <laughs> And I immediately jumped down there and I was about to say his name, but anyhow, I, I said, Hey, give me your hand. As he comes up gasping for air, I get him, I get him to the side of the boat. Um, I had the other, other gentleman come up and grab his hand as I backed him into the shore to get him into the boat. But dude, it was, I luckily had a full change of clothes in the boat, which I'm oh, generally not that prepared. prepared smart. Got him stripped down, got him in dry clothes, and we fished the rest of the day. But man, Dang. was it it was just it was quiet in the boat. Like I, I didn't have anything to say just because I was so it, it really was hard on me. Like it was nerve-wracking. Yeah. When it when it when an attorney goes swimming out of your boat, like that's not good. Like, did he sign the waiver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he laughed at that waiver when yeah. he signed it, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Oh, I could have this defeated before my second cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, it was an inter- interesting trip. Fishing was actually really good. It was fun. And I, I'm positive I'll take them again next year. So that's great. I'm man. sure you will too. Yeah. That's cool. Stuff I mean, happens, dude. I fell out of a boat. I was sleeping in a seat in Cozumel, Mexico one time and we hit a wave and I was totally asleep and I woke up and I was in the water. So I should that's crazy. hang out with more attorneys or something because that uh, is something I'm capable of too. Dude, my fear was he hit something on the way out, right? Like, yeah. Imagine hitting your ribs on the side of the boat or something. It could have been. Yeah. Terrible. That's small. So, yeah. It's a good thinking. I think, yeah. I think we were very fortunate, but 
that stuff happened so quick, just like you guys said. And yeah, I'm glad he was all right. Um, and, and really well prepared having that change of clothes in the boat. You know, it, it was just luck. I think that I had it there. It's crazy that I actually had it in the boat, but it worked out good. So as, as we get older, we just start thinking of all these scenarios <laughs> that could happen. Right. And I remember, so dude, I fish alone in cold weather a lot. You know, I fish by myself, all bundled up in cold weather consistently. Um, and I had seen a video on, uh, social media somewhere edwin evers had posted this thing and it was his emergency dry bag um and i get you know i go to these events and sometimes they'll i'll get these free dry bags from every one of their brother every sponsor of their brother gives you an emergency drive uh, just a dry bag right so i uh, i took one of them and uh i followed edwin's directions and it was really smart on what he said the first uh at the bottom of the bag you're gonna put um the last things that you need, right? So like a sweatshirt, a jacket, uh, you know, stuff like that. In the middle of the bag, you're going to put just regular base layers, sweatpants, um, possibly underwear, uh, just a regular, you know, wool shirt or something like that. And then at the very top of the bag, a uh, bath towel or a beach yep. towel. Yep. And, uh, you know, ever since then, I always have that thing in the bag and luckily I haven't had to use it, but um, it's, it's, whether you're alone or whatever. I mean, that saved the day for you guys, man. The day would have been over if you didn't have that. So uh, I yeah, mean, it, obviously it can not, save a life, but at least it saved the day in your case. And not only would it have been over, it would have been a miserable ride from there to the boat ramp. Like, like scary. Scary. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it was, uh, I don't, speaking of that right now, I need to go get another bag and put reload it. In the boat. it. Reload <laughs> it. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, and at least now we're getting into the warmer months, but it's still it's still good to have all the time. And uh, yeah, gosh, for man. sure. So yeah, that was a highlight of my last couple of weeks. Um, but fishing is just slowly getting better. Um, the fish have hardly even started to spawn here. There's a handful that have, but uh, generally we're a month into the spawn at this point, and not even close yet in some some cases. Southeast is just crapping on the Southwest right now. The Southeast is way ahead and the Southwest <laughs> way is way behind. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's so. actually like perfect though. Right. I mean, cause you could, I don't know, you could capture the best of both spawns if you were, you know, inclined to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, for sure. If you could catch a fish, man, for sure. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. What's going on with you, Nick? I, I know you've been busy too. Yeah, pretty much the only thing that matters is I got a really cool new hat. Can you guys see my new hat? It's a car hat. It's pretty cool. It's orange. <laughs> yeah. It's got a giant yellow common carp swimming like horizontally across the front of it. It uh, it was a spontaneous purchase that landed in my Instagram feed. And I thought to myself that, well, actually, the one that showed up in my feed was a really cool one of a bass, like chasing a shad. And I was like, well, I'm going to click on that. And then I started scrolling through all their designs. And at the very end of page four, the last one was the common carp hat. And I thought to myself, what could I buy that would be like the most obnoxious and unlikable article of clothing? And an orange hat with a gold common carp on it that fits like my wife won't even like acknowledge my presence. And I've been trying to wear it as much as possible because of that. I look like the guy who drives the train for the little kids at the zoo. Like that's how bad this hat is. I love it. I'm getting a visual with you at the urban pond. Yeah. <laughs> with hold on. 
You got you got Sims waders and an Orvis jacket, twelve hundred dollar fly rod, and that hat. That's the type Bro. of hat the guys that try way too hard wear. And yep. that's why I'm wearing it. I try yeah. hard, man. I'm like I'm like a Nike commercial. I try real hard. And you know, I wish that I wish that I was on like the pro staff for them because I'm embarrassed to admit how much I had to pay for this hat. But that act actually like added into the mystique of it because it's just it's just not good and so i wear it all the time how much with was a it? lot of pride that was like 40 bucks oh my goodness i see guys like you at icast all the time dude <laughs> yeah I, I those are my bros bro bro mm. my bros I love anyways it. um that's pretty much all that's happened dude i, I bought no it's hat. not you bought a hat <laughs> <laughs> I dude, I don't know. I it came with a, okay. So hold on, I paid forty dollars for it, but it came with a free T-shirt. So I really paid like thirty-seven fifty for it. Let's be right. honest. You paid Got twenty for each. Shirt. That's cool. <laughs> I think the shirt's only about two dollars worth of quality. But anyways, no, I was able to uh, take this beautiful hat and uh, venture on south of the border, and uh, we did our spring break pilgrimage down to where my wife's live family is from in central Mexico. And usually that means I get to sneak over to um, Siwatanejo and do a little saltwater fishing. And I did. And I had a, I had a couple of really good days. Um, the first day is uh, I didn't realize that, you know, obviously I talk on and on and on about rooster fish. And I didn't realize that the season there is a little early in March. Um, so I got there and the guide the night before was like, hey, man, would you be opposed to trolling um, and trying to catch either a sailfish or a Dorado or some combination of the two. And I don't know, like, that's just not that exciting. Like trolling can be fun. If you, I don't know, maybe if you have enough alcohol and while you wait for a bite, but I was figuring that it was worth a shot. He knew a lot more than I did. So let's go for it. And so the first day, um, we, we take off and we have like a, probably like an hour run offshore to get to where we're going to start trolling. And, uh, the dude, he's got a sweet old, fiberglass mexican fishing skiff but it's pretty good it's probably like 27 feet i would say but it's open it's got a small little tower on it so usually you fish off the top of the tower and uh you got a good vantage point and clear casting area not a big boat at all it's got a 60 horse suzuki four stroke on it and it's a tiller so i mean it's not like you know it's not a 35 foot viking cabin cruiser with you know eight pen internationals on it it's not what you think of when you think of an offshore boat so i thought it'd be pretty cool so we make the run out there and we we come off a pad and he instantly like gets excited and he hooks a live bait and throws it off to the side and the rod loads up and it's a pretty big dorado so he hands me the rod and in true client fashion i just get to reel in someone else's fish so i was feeling pretty proud of myself it was a big one it was a good size probably like i don't know 30 ish pounds and those are cool man they jump a lot and so it did 10 cartwheels probably completely nice. out of the water. And I, I, it's been a long time since I've done that. And I forgot just how beautiful it is. You know, the water is deep and clear. And so it has kind of a crazy color to it. And the, those, those fish that live there are like neon colored. So it's like neon chartreuse, yellow, lime green splashes of blue. And, uh, I get the fish in the boat and there was another one with it. And so we actually hooked that one, but didn't get it in the boat. And so, the morning's off to a great start. It was like lots of action. I thought, okay, cool. This is going to be a different experience. And I'm really thankful that, you know, he suggested it and we're doing it. 
And then the next four and a half hours went by and we, you know, idled in circles around the Pacific Ocean and caught nothing. And we, I remembered that I had forgotten all of my books at the dock. And so I was just telling stories in English to people who only speak Spanish. And uh, we come upon a pile of birds and it was crazy. It was actually like a current. You could tell that uh, um, there's just a, one of those off stream or offshore currents blowing through and it was just loaded with birds. So it's like, nice, this is going to happen now. Like, this is going to be amazing. Well, there was only freaking bottlenose dolphin and birds, but I saw like 50 dolphin hammering little bait, like the size of the two pound bass that live at Saguaro and birds at the same time. So it was, it was a cool experience. So it was like, ah, day's over. We've been doing this for a long time. We troll through that. And then probably like an hour, 45 minutes later, the first rod goes off and, uh, it's chaos. That's what's fun about trolling is that once it finally happens, it's just like chaos. And so the first rod goes, are you alone? Like, are you the only guy with the guide? Yeah. Okay. I bring my, I have a buddy there now who's married to my wife's cousin and I've talked about him before. It's Ivan. And, uh, he's, he's learned quite a bit about fishing. Like he's still pretty green at it, but he's, he's had some good times now. So he's, he's all about, but it. he's with you. Yep. So it's him and okay. I, and then the guide and his son on this boat that's a little bit larger than your Z9XL or Z21XL, whatever they call them now. And uh, so the first rod goes and we set the hook and uh, um, you do it old uh, Mike Bertrand style. You get a bite and you leave the bale open nice. and you count to like 6,000. That's right. <laughs> and then you flip the bale over. What was cool too is we had like a nine foot um, surf casting rod with a 5,000 series pen spinning reel on it with 50 pound braid. So it's a different game, right? You're not using a pool cue with a 30 pound gold bait caster on it. You're actually like, you know, using light tackle. So we do the Mike Bertrand, we count to a thousand, click the bail over and I'm hooked up briefly and then it's gone. I'm like, oh, heartbreak city, right? We've spent five hours for this and nothing is going to come from it. And then bang, the second rod goes off. Same thing hooked up for a split second and then nothing and then the third rod goes off and this one's actually hooked up and so he hands me the rod and i click the bail over after like a 10 second count and like instantly dude this fish just comes out of the water and it was on the rod that was closer to the boat so it was probably only like maybe 140 feet behind the boat and this huge sailfish just starts cartwheeling behind the boat nice and uh it was so it was so sick man it was it tail walked there's a picture. I have a video of it doing a front flip and it literally lands with its bill almost touching the outboard motors. I was almost afraid it was coming in the boat. That's like it was scary. just going nuts. Oh yeah. I, I had a code Brown at that moment. Cause I was reeling as fast as I could to come tight on it. And then it came up again and it like back front flipped into the boat. And I was like, okay. And at this point Ooh. you can't see shore. We're, we were 29 miles offshore at the farthest. So you can't see anything. I mean, we're like out there Dang. in a boat with a 60 horse hand tiller. With one, with one motor. Oh my God, dude, that's so crazy. Wow. And uh, tied up to a, you know, and so everything's just a guesstimate, but selfish don't get huge, huge. Um, but this one was like probably right around the hundred pound range. And that's a, that's a big selfish. Normally they're more like the 50 to 70 pound range. There's one of those ridiculous tournaments that goes through there in May where, all the people who compensate in their lives show up and try and they're like $300,000 for the first place fish. 
And he was like, I bet that was a third place fish. It was probably like wow, a $30,000 size dude, fish. That's awesome, man. Just luck, dude. You're just trolling, you know, out in the open ocean. Like it could be whatever. Oh, you're showing but your versatility. That, that's exactly right. <laughs> I'm a very versatile client. I have a credit card. And so I can fish the uh, seven wonders of the world. But it was cool, man. I fought that thing for 40 minutes, probably on 50 pound braid. And I was getting my ass kicked, dude. It would make these long runs. And then jump with everything it had. And uh, ultimately, I showed him who was superior. And it was me. I completely just destroyed this fish. Nice. Broke his will. And uh, as it came close to the boat, it was pretty cool. There was another sailfish about the exact same size that followed it the entire time. And we couldn't get it to eat. And I've come to realize that actually a lot of those offshore pelagic fish, um, apparently, they kind of mate or have like a sibling that stays with them most of their life and so it's amazing and they live a long ass time so one of that species or of that caliber is probably like 40 years old so i was thinking to myself like that's a trip dude i'm like ruining some marriage right now and the fish was probably born the same year i was but what i was do you able, taste I, like uh kind of like an old sock that uh someone <laughs> you don't actually keep them, do you? Of, no i dude i, I cried i <laughs> I had gut hooked it. So it bled all over me and I revived Ooh. it for like five minutes on the side of the boat, but it was gone, huh? No, nah, it, it swam off. Okay. We revived okay. It and it kicked off. No, I went and I asked him cause I was like, dude, is that thing dead? And we stayed in the area for like 10 minutes. He's like, they always float up if they die. And this one didn't. So, nice. so I'm confident it lived on and, uh, it was cool, but dude, I won't lie. Like my ego needs constant stroking as everyone knows. And like pulling that thing into the boat by its nose and taking the trophy picture with its sail all over my face. I felt like I've arrived, dude. I, I like you said, versatility. That's pretty neat, dude. Yeah, unlike chalk <laughs> it up, dude. Yeah, get your replica made so you can tell all your your visitors and stuff that come over. But dude, when honestly, they enter my foyer, really cool. yeah, thanks, dude. It was so. Then you know, like it, it's over. We revived the fish and we're all high fiving and hugging because it was an experience, dude. Like it almost jumped in the back of the boat. Like we had waited four and a half hours for nothing. And, uh, so like, it was cool. There was a real vibe going. And now at this point, the guide's all fired up. He's like, dude, can we stay out like 30 more minutes? Cause I don't want to stay that long just because I know I've got, you know, three little kids at the hotel and who knows what's going on there. So it's like, you know, I don't usually stay out that late. I usually try to be home by like one 30 or two, but at this point I was like, hell yeah, dude. Like, what do we have to look? We had three bites in 10 seconds. Like we're in a patch. Uh and uh we didn't we kept going and didn't get any more bites and then at that point we were 29 30 miles offshore and we had a two and a half hour run back in two and and a half hours dude we were fishing in uh pretty mild seas like i'd say like two to four footers tops gentle rollers but as we came in then we got into the wind and dude we were pushing through a lot bigger water and i got completely soaked like rob's attorney except for it was like 82 degree ocean water instead of 52 degree Arizona reservoir water. But I was, I was on one, man. It was a special day. It was a cool fish. Um, it was great. I mean, that's, it's an awesome story and an awesome adventure, dude. It's uh, a, probably another one that I'll never get to experience. I don't think I'm, you're ever going to see me in a boat like that 30 miles offshore, dude, without the no technology. Chance. That's, that's you crazy oh, dude, crap, he had a crazy crap. He had a handheld GPS. Get out of here. We had so much technology, bro. You had to ride a bus to that trip. I know, dude. I uh, I rode a private uh, chartered Sprinter van because I'm fancy <laughs> like Applebee's. Nice. But uh, you you'll think this is 100 made up, and it probably is. But as I remember it, we were like 
an hour into the drive back and you're starting to see like the hazy silhouette of the rocks of the beat, you know, the bank, but we're still, we're still out there. And we're all just like basking in the happiness to the day. And then the engine turns off there and I go. look over my shoulder and I look at him and uh, in Spanish, he made a joke, like, are you ready to swim? And I told him to pass me a life vest. And then I didn't say anything because he's real stoic. Like he's one of those people. He's probably like fishing with Rob, right? Rob's a man of, you know, not a lot of words. And so when those people speak, you listen because they don't blow hot air like I do. So I didn't say anything. And then I looked at him and he's like, I think it's a fuel injector. I was like, okay. And true to his word, dude, he sat on it for a minute and just let it, let it, you know, just shut off. And then he fired it up and it, it, it turned over and then he put it in gear and it was idling rough. And then it cleared up. We went back up on pad and we made it home, dude. <laughs> that there's so, so many ways that that could go horribly wrong. And no, there is no I chance. I can't think of one of them. That is unbelievable. For the you got your selfish. You're done, dude. Don't go back. Hell no. I'm going to keep going back, dude. I'd rather die young and a blaze of glory than at 113. All right. Fair the enough. next day was sick too, but I've used up too much time, but it's another day, another story, but it we'll has save been it for so, the next one. Yeah. It's uh it's so good, man. So that's cool. That's cool. Well, dude, we're glad. Uh, yeah. I saw a couple of the pictures after the fact, but Nick was trying to text us pictures when he, when he was down there and for whatever reason, the serve, uh, the service down there wasn't allowing the, the photos through, but um, yeah, it was actually my person in the Philippines who does all my photoshopping. He was uh, behind schedule, and so I wasn't able to yeah. get you all the, you know, the actual artificial copies. <laughs> right on, fair enough. Well, that's cool stuff, dude. Um, and you're off to mis- uh, misery tomorrow, then, huh? That's right, man. Back to the big M, flying into Chicago, and uh, gonna go rub shoulders with all the like-minded folks in the Windy City. Nice, cool, man. Well, hopefully that uh, that goes well, smooth, uh, safe travels, and uh, yeah, thank you. On- on my How about end, you, Josh, what do you got yeah, going it's, on? It's been uh, unbelievably busy. Yep. Um, you know, we got a handful of topics to run through, but uh, just, you know, I, I fished since our, our last podcast, I fished two tournaments, um, worked probably six or seven days at trade shows and expos. Um, I've either been fishing at an expo or on a plane every day. So it's been super busy. I can't, I flew home for three days and I'm headed to South Carolina at Lake Murray to our next tournament uh, next week. But uh, I did want to give a shout out. There was a handful of people at these expos that came up and said, Hey, that listen to the podcast. And uh, a couple of them kind of ribbed us a little bit for slacking lately. So uh, thank you guys for uh, lighting that little fire under our butts. Uh, That's why we're sitting here chatting tonight. Um, So great to meet you guys. And uh, you know, uh, for me, it was, Dude, it, you know, for an Arizona guy, it was a it was an interesting uh, couple events. We fished in some some decent weather a little bit, but for the most part, it was just a brutally, uh, you know, brutally cold couple of events and tough fishing. You know, I mean, uh, these lakes, Norman and uh, Douglas were they're not. I mean, I don't want to offend anyone that that fishes and loves those lakes because they do. They are cool in their own ways, but. They're not big fish lakes. They're really tough tournament lakes. And, and honestly, both of them are lakes that you just hear about over time. Some lakes you're excited to go to, and some of them you're not as excited. And they were lakes that I was like, well, it sounds like those lakes are tough. Um, well, we got drawn to fish both of them uh, in the past couple of events. So uh, learned a lot. You know, Norman is, is all about dock fishing. Um, 
all about dock fishing. And one of the, you know, interesting, interesting things about a dock lake like that is, uh, you know, not every dock is good. Right. And, uh, I had gone to pre-practice that lake and marked every dock with brush under it that I could thinking that I would be able to run back there <laughs> and literally have this awesome playbook of, and every dock that had brush, I would go catch fish on. And that was far from the truth. <laughs> you know, brush <laughs> helps sometimes, but dude, I'll tell you, there were a lot of those docks that I really planned on catching fish on that were not, were not good at all. You and then there were some docks punch. that were loaded that you couldn't really explain. Why is that dock loaded? And why, like, why <laughs> is this pocket loaded? You know, it was very interesting. You might go seven pockets in a row, hour and a half, not catch crap. In the eighth pocket that looks just like the last seven you just fished is loaded. And then you go seven more and there's no fish in them. So uh, it just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very unique lake. Um, after the first day of Redcrest, I was sitting in 16th um, in pretty good shape. Second day, I actually tried to rerun a lot of the stuff that was good the first day. Um, a lot of those docks had five, six, 10 fish under them. And I thought, hey, I only pulled one off of this thing. I could pull back in and catch another one, no problem. And uh, that didn't work. I think I ended up um, burning up a lot of time. I know I burned up a lot of time trying to use those docks like an ATM machine. And I've done that in the past <laughs> on certain lakes like Smith, you know, like where if there's 10 spots under it, dude, you just let them settle back down. You catch one, let them settle back down and go back again and catch them. That wasn't the case. Um, so I ended up getting off to a very slow start um, and then came back a little bit at the end of the day but ended up missing. I was one fish short. Um, mm. I needed to catch. Uh, I ended up about two pounds out of the cut. So I uh, got to work the expo for all three days at Ridcrest. So that was great. But uh, the one one quick story that I want to share uh, from Redcrest was uh, that call shad. I don't know if you guys saw anything about the uh, new Berkeley call shad. It's the swim bait that um, they're coming out with. And it made some waves at Redcrest. None of us really like even threatened to win the tournament on it, but um we there were a lot of key fish catches and a lot of people took notice of this bait and it became a pretty big hit uh, on the internet. I had one Facebook post that uh, you know three hundred thousand people ended up seeing talking about this coal shad and um, the first day of the tournament, I've got a limit for like eight something pounds. Not gonna do it, right? Um, you know, you needed to catch eleven plus to be relevant at that tournament and. Uh, I pull into this creek and pull out that coal shad and one of my first casts with it, you know, I get hit right in the head. I get the obvious ding. This is what you need to be doing. I cast it next to a dock, catch a four pound spot. And I kept it in my <laughs> hand and ended up catching in the final period, like probably a dozen fish on this thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a good size swim bait, six inch swim bait. So an awesome final period called almost all my fish on it. Um, and, uh, this this thing is not out yet. Berkeley had made some proto not prototypes. They were production models, but early production models. Like they're not near ready to sell this thing until this summer. But they made enough to get to the pros to fish in Redcrest in the classic. Well, I've got two in this albinoish color that is probably the best color that we've got right um, for that situation <laughs> where we're at. And uh, I've got, hopefully at that point, I'm thinking maybe four more days to fish. Well, dude, I, I fish it all period, catch all these fish. It's still in great shape, still running good. And uh, I skip it way up under a dock. It's a real <laughs> skippable bait and I'm skipping it. And I'd been doing this all period. I'd skipped it under 
200 docs up to this point. And I make a good skip and it goes all the way back in there and it gets stuck. There's like chicken wire in the back of this dock. <laughs> oh. And uh, there's like seven <laughs> minutes left in the period. Uh, I'm already in okay shape. Like I just need to get this bait back. And uh, dude, it's so far up under there. I There's nothing I can do. I didn't even like give it that much time because there's nothing I can do aside from getting in a lake and swimming that's going to get me this bait. So I just break it off and I'm pissed. I got one left for the next day, but I'm like, man, what if I lose that one? And I'm, I'm out. So anyways, long story short, the tournament ends. Um, I end up catching a couple fish on it the next day, but uh, I missed that cut. So I, I'm done. And my boat official from that day, his name is Matt. He, when the tournament's over, he lives a couple hours from there. He hooks up his truck and boat, drives to Lake Norman drives to this creek finds the dock goes in the water gets the no. swim bait seriously yeah did you yeah. autograph it for him dude that's a legendary move <laughs> he joked about part. that and i'm like dude uh, he should fish it if, if anyone wants to see the video it's uh he's on instagram uh as am to pro bass fishing journey and he videoed <laughs> he ended up actually having to get he tried to swim then he tried he got out on the dock and the owner came out of the house as he's on their dock you know, which nice. has a recipe for disaster. And apparently the guy was cool about it, but uh, just hilarious that he went. So there's like, you know, maybe eight Berkeley pros that have these things. And, and old Matt from North Carolina has got one too. So props to Matt nice. for going and getting the bait. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, a, that, that bait was a big hit. Pretty cool. Uh, you, you know, if you've been following any of these tournaments lately, you've seen, you've seen it. I'm not going to go too far into Dude, that. Dude, talk about the, the lime ice color. Like Alex and I had a conversation and he just thought I was crazy for not knowing about lime ice, but that's a good, yeah, it's a good question. That's a Bud Alex, Light seltzer, right? <laughs> exactly. It sounds good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lime ice is a total Western color. It's, and I actually had to, battle with berkeley to get this thing into the what lineup said, they yeah. have 12 colors and uh there's something magical about that it lime ice is like a chartreuse it's like a holographic chartreuse color more or less and it's popular in some other swim baits that uh, are fished out west and, and you know being a chartreuse color like that it's hard to imagine it's so good in clear water but it really is it's just magical in that clear water works so well um, you know, fished over small mouth, large mouth. And, uh, that's one that I don't have any of them yet, but I've seen it. I've seen the uh, prototypes of them and uh, it's going to be a killer. So if you're a West coast listener, um, these things are going to hit the tackle stores in June. And, uh, that's really probably the color you want. It's a, it's an absolute killer, um, Lake Pleasant, Colorado river, but, uh, anywhere you've got clear water and, uh, you know, I mean, we know what kind of uh, damage chartreuse does on smallmouth. You just, you go up north, all those northern smallmouth fisheries where everyone reels a uh, chartreuse painted blade spinnerbait or a coleslaw spinnerbait, uh, uh, a jerkbait that's a clown jerkbait, the bright colors. It's uh, it's no different with this thing. So it's going to be really cool. And uh, the other reason you guys need to buy it is because uh, it's going to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. If no one buys this thing, Berkeley's <laughs> going to be like, Josh is an idiot. He wasted our time and money. We've got, we're sitting on all these lime ice swim baits and it's because of Josh. So, you know, all seven of you listening, if you each buy a hundred of them, or 18, yeah, yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> Dude, I have hundreds of sales right there. I mean, geez. 
I hope so. so. They've, at least they've got a, a six inch and then a bigger one also or not? Six inch and an eight inch. Yeah. And it's, I mean, oh. it's cool. It's got some really good benefits, but you know, without getting all nerdy, the best thing about it is you can fish it slow and fast and everywhere yeah. in between. Whereas like a lot of swim baits, they're pre-weighted. They're designed to fish a certain speed. And this thing stays keeled out and has great action at any speed. So and the, that's the, the spots. Had no problem eating a six it, inch. I was one. blown away, dude. I was blown yeah. away. And, you know, it, a, a pound and a half spot would, would knock slack into the line and crush it. Nice. Yep. And, and it's got a treble hook on the bottom. And the treble hook is a little bit further back than some comparable, um, you know, inline style swim baits. So it gets those fish too. I mean, it's going to catch a five pounder, but it's going to catch that two pounder too. So, I mean, I caught nice. that one day, I caught 12 fish in one period on it. That's a lot for a six inch swim bait, you know. I'm, on a lake that doesn't have a lot of big fish so it's cool. cool i can't wait to get them yeah uh good good call on that lime ice too so that's one thing uh we I, we have to recognize the last two tournaments that went down uh the classic obviously and then the last bpt over at douglas that i fished uh the classic jeff gustafson won uh pretty cool to see it's a uh you know it's a tough fishery that they were on i was there working the expo both days and, uh, you know, he kind of went and did his own thing, um, you know, fished. There were a lot of guys that tried to imitate him. He had won a tournament like that in the past. And, and you can't blame guys for trying to get on that same pattern. But um, no one did it like him. So uh, pretty. And, and he's a good guy. A lot of people have I, I, I barely know him, but um, sounds like one of the good guys in the sport. So props to him on that. Um, and then. Uh, the Douglas Cherokee tournament, Keith Pochet won that. And uh, also a very unique win. He, you know, uh, he, he, Keith in our league in the Bass Pro Tour, you have to fish out of one boat all year. That's the rule. And the reason they do that is they don't want a guy taking a jet boat up a river one week and taking a walleye boat onto Lake Michigan the next uh -huh. week and having an advantage. So Keith has chosen to fish out of a 18 foot, very shallow drafting, small aluminum boat and he took that thing where no one could take their bass boats this week and uh kicked everyone's butt so uh props to him on that it was pretty cool dude i'm quickly becoming a huge fan of what he's doing it's it's unbelievable because like everybody sits and says that he's cheating and all this stuff when he's doing when he does that situation but imagine what he feels like when he rolls out on a lax with that boat yeah, he's gonna have to take that thing on Lake. We're this year we're fishing Lake St. Clair, dude, and then Lake Superior. <laughs> oh, like, sounds large. But he's already he's already paid he's already paid he's already gotten paid this year for making that choice. Like I say Superior. I say Superior. What's what's Saginaw Bay on? Is that Huron? It might be on Huron. It's on Huron, Lake Huron. Either Not way, superior. it doesn't matter, dude. But, it's, yeah, it's, it's a big lake. Superior. I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're so, dude. Yeah, and there, it's literally possible that he's gonna have days. You know, it's, it may not happen, but he might not be able to leave the dock. Right. You know, if yeah. it's rolling in. <laughs> And there's four footers, you five footers, you can't take that thing out there. So, dude, he's he's already won the year. I mean, you win one of these tournaments, and uh, who cares what happens the rest of the year? Obviously, he's yep. gonna care. We all would, but like he's won. Pressure's so, off. Yeah, it's it's a huge deal. You get so much out of winning one of those tournaments. Uh yeah, these yeah, last two years have been absolutely huge from some of those choices that he's made, which I mean, it's definitely his wheelhouse, right? And I mean, it, it, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, it is, he did it his, his own way. So props to him. Uh, 
pretty cool to see and uh, just something different you know i mean it's nice yeah. to have some variety um i'm a big time live scoper myself but like you don't want to see people just doing that every single tournament you want to see a variety uh in the tournaments and the ways the tournaments are won and the ways guys are fishing it keeps it exciting um so i certainly uh am happy to see a guy uh, go old school and uh, win a tournament in an old-fashioned way like that did sure. you watch the live or the video of him catching those fish up there underneath that that dam i did yeah i mean yeah. the water was was coming through there big time yeah and it's just epic catches too like unbelievable bites had to be a blast yeah pretty neat i i guess it was what you know so that's where ot defoe's i mean that's odd defoe's stomping grounds and ot ot's like well you blew up my spot but i'm still happy for you man <laughs> <laughs> for sure that's so kind I, of what blew my mind is how to, you know, how was there not other people fishing in there? It's got to be a popular spot, I would think. Obviously, it is now, but like, yeah, you want to hide access stuff like was. that. You know, well, that's just it. It depends on how I, I don't know because I didn't make that run. I don't know if there's an access to like a boat ramp up there, maybe or what, but he, I did remember him saying that there were a few more locals fishing around but I don't know what that means and I don't know right. where they were and how they got there, you know, but I know. So Garrick Dixon is a photographer for MLF. I've done a bunch of stuff with him through the years and uh, Garrick, I mean, he's all these guys that, that have, you know, that have been in the game for a long time. Garrick's done some, he goes the extra mile to get the shots. And I don't know if you guys had heard of this, but he had driven like an hour by car and then did a one mile kayak paddle Whoa. to get up there to take pictures of Keith. And, and all really? the pictures that you see on the MLF site that are still pictures came from Garrick after a one mile kayak ride um, <laughs> out of a kayak. Props to him, dude. Those little, those little tidbits like that are pretty cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that without quality. him posting it, you know, but yeah, pretty neat. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, so I, I, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You finish, and then I'll say what I was going to say. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, like they didn't put a camera in his boat the first day uh, of that uh, knockout round, and people were like, why isn't there a camera MLF against him because he's fishing fast and all this stuff, and that wasn't the case at all. It was just like they couldn't – if he went up there and didn't catch him, they can't take the <laughs> camera out. The camera's stuck in his boat because no one can get to him. So, yeah, yeah. like, that was the whole, I guess, the whole deal there. But the second day, obviously, the top 10, there's 10 guys on the water, there's 10 cameras. The camera guy can be with them all day, no problem. Describe where he was briefly, because I'm completely out of touch. I am a terrible friend, and I know nothing about No, this, dude, how dare you? You were too busy. Uh, almost, It'd be like you if know, you're fishing below Tempe Town Lake Dam right now. <laughs> he went all the way up the river at Cherokee Lake. I mean, he went, it took him like an hour and 30 minutes from takeoff to get up this <laughs> river. And uh, a lot of that was jumping over stuff. I guess he posted a, I haven't watched it, but apparently he posted a YouTube video of the actual run up there. Uh, but yeah, he was right okay. at a spillway it's, uh, underneath the lake above Cherokee. So, uh, okay. Pretty wild, man. And there were some tanks up there. Like that lake has got a lot of three pound fish, three and a half pound fish, but very few it's much more rare to catch them over four and like a 17 pound bag is big out there but very doable very rarely do you see like 19 and he had 19 he uh okay he had a huge bag it was it was a pretty impressive day of fishing so that cool. was neat Props to him. um dude you know i wasn't sure uh 
there's just been we're just running through these crazy things that we've read and seen over the past couple weeks it's been a busy and we're not so much like a fishing news podcast as we are a story podcast but (laughs) this is a story dude that um is 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 worth you know telling because it was so wild and uh you know it's something that happened to a friend of ours nick uh, i don't think you know about this rob knows about it but a friend of ours clifford perch uh last year in the last tournament of his season um didn't make the way in on the final day and or his final day he had a bag of fish but he was up in another pool and he had a, a an act a tragedy happen on the water and he didn't make way in and that's all anybody knew like i didn't want to uh you know push him about it and you know i've chatted with him a handful of times since then but so and it, we all know something happened right and uh about well recently he interviewed with mike sukan and on the bass website uh they posted an article about what happened and uh you know maybe it's it you know cliff did it to kind of clear clear some things up i'm sure a lot of people have have asked over since then like what happened what happened out there and uh the article is pretty intense like if if you want to read it it's on the bassmaster website It's, it's by mike sukan and uh it's on, you know, a bunch of forums and stuff since, uh, since it's come out, but, you know, I'll butcher the story if I try to tell it all, but, you know, it basically Cliff is out there fishing in the tournament and he is like, as he's in lacrosse, uh, on the Mississippi river, you know, a, a waterway that goes all the way down, all the way down to the ocean. They're up in Wisconsin right now. And, uh, I think it's probably, it sounded like it was probably the afternoon of the second day and he's fishing along with his boat, his marshal in the boat. And there's a guy that comes off the bank and starts wading in the water towards him and uh, a little strange, but you know, who knows what it is. So he says, Hey, how's it going? And the guy just kind of keeps coming. And, but what's weird about it is the guy is wading through a grass mat, you know, not like a normal situation. He's not on a swim beach. And this guy has got apparently like a weird look on his face, kind of a weird smile. And Cliff's trying to talk to him and see what he's doing. And he's not responding. He just keeps coming. And uh, the guy gets closer and Cliff starts to realize, I don't know what this guy's intentions are. So he's, he's easing up on his trolling motor. It says in the article, just to kind of keep a little bit of distance away. And then the guy goes underwater and uh, he wants to get away from the guy but at the same time, if the guy needs help, he wants to help. He's a good guy. He's not going to, you know, let someone drown. Well, the guy is underwater and Cliff realizes he's not coming up. So he starts backing the boat up again and they get close. And the guy has like, he kind of resurfaces and he's got like foam coming out of his mouth and he's like Ugh. clearly messed up. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry for any, anyone listening. This is, it's pretty gnarly here, but uh, the guy is drowning so he realizes that and his boat official as the guy's drowning the boat official realizes the guy's got a rock in his hand like he was probably fixing to come out and try to do something to them but they get him up in the boat and the dude has drowned and he's basically like i don't know when he passed away but he's passed away at some point you know in this in this exchange and again uh fast forward if you don't want to hear all the gory details but cliff says in the article the dude's 
guts are hanging out of his stomach as he lifts him into the boat. And it looks like a just a just a bloodbath on the back of his boat. And he's thinking, like, what in the world is this? The guy's guts are like his stomach is opened up and uh, the dude's dead. So unbelievable, insane scenario. He calls the police. The police come out. He's not going to make way in, obviously. Uh, and the police question him, uh, you know, just to see what what happened. I guess he had to stick yeah. around after the tournament. Um, just a nightmare, man. But just a horrible, you know, if, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know if Cliff is listening, but, you know, I know a lot of you know Cliff. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't want to have to talk to him about this, just go read the article. If you've been wondering what's going on or what happened there, if you heard about it, the article's on the website, but uh, something that we feel bad that he had to deal with, you know, it's probably something that um, still, you know, it's going to be hard to erase from your memory. And, uh, you know, just we're, we're thinking of Cliff after having to deal with that situation. Cause that's what a freak deal. Yeah. And Clifford's statement too, was uh, probably better that guy was messing with him than the lady with the stroller walking by and he's hundred uh, percent. Right. Yeah. But it's yeah. That whole deal was a mess, man. I feel bad for cliff and, and his marshal also that's yeah. a yeah. terrible situation to be in. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, the, the, he was probably going for cliff because he wanted that boat. I mean, who knows what the situation was, but just, yeah, you know, it, it regardless anyways, uh, thinking about, uh, that deal, just hopefully, uh, Hopefully no one else has to deal with something like that. It's pretty unbelievable, but um, really is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, But I guess the last thing to turn it to a little bit more of a positive note uh, would be, we are, we're here (laughs) getting into the spring. Yeah. And here comes my daughter as we speak. Say hi guys real quick. And then, okay. Hello. Emma. Okay. One more minute, sweetie. Okay. I'll be right in. Okay. All right. I just want to. Nope. You got to go inside. I'll be right in. Okay. She wants to. She wants a Let's lure her out on, of the dude. garage here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but hey, we're right around. The- <laughs> yeah. I'll give her a call, Shad. Give her my last one if I had to. Um, well, the spawn is right around the corner, guys. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, if you're a Western listener, you're dealing with uh, wa- like crazy water coming up and stuff like that. A couple little tips, um, you know, that I would give you. And we've talked about rising water on the podcast before, but try to find protected areas with hard banks. You know, you, you don't want to be fishing in areas that the water change, the water uh, conditions are changing rapidly, you know, uh, but if you can find, you know, the, even these lakes like Roosevelt, where the water's coming up real quick, guys are catching fish, try to get on, uh, try to find areas that aren't too, too flat, you know, where a fish has to swim 200 yards to get to stay on the bank, you know, an area where it's maybe a 45 degree bank or even a little bit steeper where they can just move up with that water as it comes up. And uh, as you know, the water might be dirty wherever you're fishing. As time goes on, that dirty water ends up being okay. You know, as that water gets up into the 60s, if the water's 65 and muddy, but it's been muddy for a month, no problem. You can catch bass out of that water. I would have said a month ago, get out of that muddy water. It just got muddy. It's in the 50s, but now the water's been stable it's been stably muddy um and it's warm you can catch fish out of that so um i would say you know without being able to tell you specifically where and what to do pick up pick up a big spinnerbait pick up a vibrating jig um and then uh, maybe something bulky to kind of flip around and uh just go bubba fishing do you uh, 
Do you have anything to add to that, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I actually kind of like this time of year once that water does start warming up because it's so it, it, it's a lot simpler, right? Because the fish have one thing on their mind is to get to the bank to spawn. And you just eliminate everything behind you. Fish five foot yeah. and less. Um, one of the biggest keys and one of the hardest things to do right now is to get to the bank. Like you mentioned how there's so much brush in the water you might not even be able to get your boat near the bank. So get in areas of the lake where, like you said, on steeper stuff or um, just areas where you can get to the bank because fishing out a, a tree in 10 foot of water is not going to do you any good. <laughs> yeah. That 10, 10 feet might as well be a hundred, huh? Yes. Yep. <laughs> that's good. That's it's, it's a good point. And uh, you're going to, you're going to scratch your boat up a little bit fishing these lakes. If you're going to be effective right now, if you don't want to scratch your boat up, don't go to Roosevelt right now. Don't go that's to Alamo, right. <laughs> but if you don't mind putting some scratches in your boat and you like uh, power fishing, now is the perfect time. So get out there. Yeah. All right, guys, go back inside. My kids are telling me <laughs> this podcast is just about over. But um. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, they just wanted to hear the stories, dude. They're, they just want to see it live. All right. Do you guys have anything else to add before we call this one? We're good. Oh, Parker. What's yeah, up, Parker? Yeah, we are good, man. Parker, say one thing about fishing. What do you like about fishing, dude? You caught a fish a long time ago. What did you get at Bass Pro Shops the other day, dude? RC Monster Truck. RC Monster Truck. Yep. Oh, nice. You found the best thing on the shelf. It's an ATV, actually, buddy. Yeah. Who's counting? All right. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Um, Hope you uh, all have a a great week. And uh, we got a bunch of uh, Western um some pretty neat western guests that we've got um you know on the docket for coming up but if you guys have any guests that you would like us to talk to have any ideas uh send them over and again same thing with the questions we're going to be bringing back some uh q a some uh you know uh contests and stuff like that so if you guys have questions uh send them our way you can always uh write to us on instagram either my page uh the guys pages or the english happy hour page instagram facebook